I think that kindness has gotten a little, it's seen as like a soft word and there can be softness to kindness, but I think most of the time kindness asks us to make the harder choice and to, you know, show up and for ourselves and for each other and for our community. Welcome to Mindful Businesses presented by Sarani and I'm your host Vidya Iyer. In our podcast we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic and environmental practices. Today we have with us Catherine Hartsell, creator of Jaidi Dancewear, a sustainable leotard company celebrating the beauty, wisdom and the value of women who dance. Welcome Catherine. Thank you so much Vidya. Thanks. I'm happy to connect with you here. So tell us about your life as a professional ballet dancer. When did you start learning and how did you become a professional ballet dancer? Dance has sort of been the through line of my life. It's really been at the heart um, since I was a child. I started dancing because my older sister was a dancer. And so I just, as many dancers have been, um, just stuck into a studio <laughs> or in general because it seems like a good idea to put your kid in a dance class. So I started dancing very young and identified right away that it felt like a home for me and it was a place to really connect with my body and to movement and creativity and to music and also to communities and friendships. I was living in Florida at the time. After a year of high school in my hometown in Tallahassee, um, I had been taking some dance classes at Florida State University, just dual enrolled during the day. And um, one of the professors there, Richard Sias, and alongside some other teachers that I had had that really kind of nourished my um, dancing upbringing, um, they encouraged me to think about going somewhere full time to study ballet. And my family was very supportive, which in hindsight, I'm just blown away by now being a parent myself. And my child is eight. And I was 15 when I told my parents that that's what I wanted to do. And they were supportive of that. And so that is definitely a moment that I reflect back on with a lot of gratitude. They helped not just get to that point, but also to arrive and really flourish in a professional ballet training program in Toronto, Canada. I went for one of the summer programs. Their audition process is set up so that you basically audition instead of going and taking like one audition class, which is very typical of um, ballet programs. You, you do an audition to go to the summer program. And then if you get into the summer program, the whole summer program is an audition of sorts, which sounds very overwhelming. But for my personality style, you know, not really wanting to just perform on demand. Um, it really was I, like the perfect entry point into the professional ballet world to just be able to establish relationships with teachers and peers over the summer so that I knew it was the right decision. And they had a sense of who I was beyond just, you know, one glimpse at my dancing. And they offered me a place in their school. And so I moved from Florida to the residential program in Canada and I spent a couple years there, and it was a very rough transition. Um, I knew that it was not where I wanted to live. They have an associated um, company, and it's a beautiful company. 
Um, but I knew that I was too far away from home. I didn't feel like I was, it was sustainable. And the winters probably didn't. I, in every possible way. It was just, I really learned about myself during that time about what I needed as a person. And yes, warmth is one of those things. <laughs> Even though now I do live in Boston, I moved back to Austin, Texas for a year and then eventually found my way to Boston where I danced professionally for a handful of years until, let's see, um, 2010, I'd like to say. And um, it was an incredible experience in so many ways. Um, and it's still something that informs my daily life, um, even though I do not dance professionally anymore. In fact, I don't dance at all. <laughs> um, I still kind of live and breathe the dancer's mindset. That was my life until that time when I um, I made a couple different transitions, trying to find the next steps, the way that a dancer can sometimes grapple with, like an identity beyond ballet. And so I kind of did that for a couple of years, but but also still seeking for really the right next place, you know, to find a sense of purpose and to really immerse myself in professionally. In in the meantime, we adopted a kiddo. So I had a moment to pause in 2016. So that's where I took a bit of a breather, probably for the first time ever. <laughs> the professional um, ballet schools are pretty intense. I'm so proud that you survived all those years and went on to become a professional uh, dancer. And is it different for male and ballet dancers versus female, or is it super intense for both? I would say it's super intense in their own ways. As far as like the physical and emotional demands, I think that they're very similar. It's just the the tracks are maybe slightly different and maybe the set of challenges are a little bit different. I think maybe family support could be challenging if, if your families do not know or appreciate what it takes to pursue a profession in ballet, then I think that to be a male dancer can come with many challenges that, you know, are unique and maybe different than the like the female track. But we certainly have, we have many bonding moments over the difficulties of what what daily life is as a dancer. So that crosses gender for sure. So you have this moment of pause, you're able to breathe, enjoy your baby, and then you get this idea for this product. Tell us about that. It all came together a little slowly. Kritsana is my daughter, and she was actually five when we adopted her. So she, you know, she was a fully formed human being with a voice and something to say. So we spent a lot of time um, doing things like going to the ballet. And she is a mover herself. And so I enrolled her in a dance class, which is something I never thought I would do. I thought it would kind of protect any child of mine from <laughs> the world of dance. But she was just drawn to it because of its of the music and we're really close to the studio. And, you know, I still have friends that that work at the ballet. So it's part of our life. Because of her, I start, we started going to the theater again, something that I had taken a break from um, in my post-dance life, just as a way of, you know, just giving myself transition time. And I rediscovered, without all that baggage that comes with professional life or the business of being a dancer, 
um, I really rediscovered the things about dance that I love, especially, you know, from childhood, the friendships that are formed and just the connection to creativity, all of those things, the, really the magic of being in a theater and watching dance. And I saw that through my daughter's eyes. And so she she really sparked the idea. I knew that I wanted to do a creative project, but it had no shape or form. And it really just came together slowly. I knew that I, I've had a lifelong kind of pursuit of sustainability, you know, in, in a flawed way, for sure. I'm, I'm a human being living in this consumer-based world. I think through my introduction to yoga, which happened somewhere in the middle of my professional dancing days, um, really started to think about not just like self-care, which is very prevalent in dance, but kind of um, community care and what it means to be a citizen in the world and the choices that we make and the impact that they have, not just on our own bodies, but on the bodies of, you know, the people around us and the environment that we all share. I knew that anything would be any, any creative pursuit would be um, really the connective tissue would be sustainability. Um, and there's no shortage of leotards in the world. It wasn't that I recognized that as the first need to fill. But what I did see in looking around me was a lack of sustainable dancewear. There are a couple companies that I definitely love and respect, but I didn't see, you know, a lot of visibility being given to sustainability and in this community, which is a beautiful community that is creative and really does care. <laughs> I saw it as a need. And what really happened is just there was enough space. Um, I was talking about this recently, just trying to identify that moment where the spark really became fully formed. And I don't think it was really one moment because what that time with my daughter gave me was space, which I had not, I, I'm not very good at giving that to myself, um, which was just, you know, a little bit more space. And that's, I think, where creativity comes from is when we're a little bit more quiet in our lives. So I think it's a common problem with women who don't give themselves time and space. Being typically the caregiver or the caretaker mentality, we have to be on all the time. And even though you were taking care of your child, it gave you some time to take care of yourself and what your needs are. And you have this awesome brand now. So tell us about why your brand is sustainable. Tell us about the fabric and the yarn used in making these leotards. So fabric was one of the first things that we looked at. Did take a little bit of research because you know, I've taken you through my background a little bit and most of it is centered around dance or the, the study of the body um, or human movement. So I come with that framework, but I didn't know anything about how to create something sustainably from a business perspective or certainly from a design and fabric perspective. So looking at the design and the materials and sort of where we were making things, all those things were part of the research that we did. And what that research brought us to was uh, Econel regenerated nylon fiber. And it's this really lovely fiber to work with. So the typical leotard is going to be thin and very comfortable on the body, like almost like a second skin, very thin and comfy, something that you feel like you can wear all day but traditionally not made very sustainably. It's just like with a cheap nylon polyester type fabric. 
And so we knew that we wanted to work with something higher quality. And that led us to Econel, which is this wonderful, it's a wonderful process using fishing waste and other landfill waste to make the nylon fiber that then is the through line of the fabric. And it's a wonderful choice for us because it's close enough to what a dancer would expect in terms of um, fit, how it fits on the body. It really is like a soft hug in terms of how it feels very smooth and comfortable on the skin. Um, But it has a much higher quality and its backstory is both cool and sustainable. As a separate business, I love Econel's business model in terms of creating the nylon fiber working with brands that share a mission to create things more sustainably, creating less harm as we add things to the earth. And they're even looking at kind of how to close the loop and use the same products that have been made to regenerate um, something new again, which is just a really lovely process to be part of. Um, So that was a key component of creating sustainably. And then we knew that we wanted to create simple designs that um, were not just with the latest trends and with a whole bunch of different options, but just something, you know, streamlining the look, simple, but also beautiful, really showcasing the dancer's form, but also something comfortable that dancers can wear all day. So we used that with the designs in mind, something that would feel high quality and refined. And with our location, just trying to keep everything close to home so that for us, we could try to decrease the amount of back and forth and stay close to the production process. Sustainability can seem so overwhelming. And I think that that sometimes prevents us from trying to make a better choice because we can't always make the best choice. But I felt that with the fabric, we could at least put something in the dancer's hands to start to have more conversations about what a sustainable choice looks and feels like. You mentioned you would like to keep it close to home. Where is this um, fabric and the nylon made? Um, It's an Italian fabric, so it's imported. Um, And that's the only thing that we import. We try to keep the design and development team was all here. And our production um, is also in the Northeast. That's, That's also part of the conversation about sustainability. It's a constant process of weighing the options. You know, we could go with a fabric that's made right here that might not have the same process. And we felt that Econel really has kind of the highest possible standards for the dance wear material that we were looking for. Um, So that was worth taking the few extra steps outside kind of the ideal, kind of keeping everything right here. So is this fabric breathable or does it need to be breathable? Um, When I'm thinking of fishing nets, I'm not thinking breathability. (laughs) Yeah, I wish that I could put it in your hands because that's a great question. Yeah, when we think about... um, Uh, When we think about what's comfortable, we don't think about sort of recycled plastic or um, fishing nets or ocean waste or landfill waste. That's why it's exactly suited for a creative community is because it is so creative. And I think we need those creative solutions um, if we're going to tackle sustainability in a meaningful way. Because as I like to say often, you know, our leotards are not going to change the world, but they are an expression of making a small change. And I do wish that I could just reach over and hand you the material because it's like silky smooth and if you didn't know the story um 
then you would not know kind of the ingredients. You would think it's just, you know, your typical high quality fabric because it's breathable. And um, I think it's used a lot in um, swimsuits. So if you think about like a comfortable swimsuit with that little bit of a sheen, but they have a whole bunch of different things that they do with Econel. So they do all sorts of different fabrics and design solutions with that as a central ingredient. And I think that is phenomenal and the exact application of imagination that we need. There's so many companies who are in Europe which are doing these sort of recyclable fabrics, yarns, and products. I don't find that many in America. Is there a reason? Do we need to have more regulation in place to incentivize people to recycle and think about products, come up with products which can be used in, in a circular design? So I think that sustainability asks us to, and, you know, ethical thinking really asks us to think about not just one way, but the best way at this particular moment within a certain context. I think I see, perhaps just because I surround myself with the brands that inspire me, I see a lot of companies in the U.S., and I, and I see the demand for it growing. So I think that those two things will happen in tandem. But I think ultimately, and I can say this even as someone that is, you know, selling product, I think it ultimately comes back to making less products and, and maybe perhaps they cost more and we don't just have an endless offering and the expectation that we will always sell and just keep selling. And if that's our goal, our only goal, then that's not sustainable for the world. I just am interested in the complexity of the questions um, when it comes to sustainability. If it's all right to mention, groups that I worked with when I was learning about how to make ethical and sustainable choices as a business, a startup business, um, through Factory 45, the owner has like a little, she has an online presence where she gathers some of the businesses that she's helped here in the U.S., and that's called Market 45. And I always go there first because I know that those have been vetted and that things like regenerated nylon or organic cotton or plant-based fabrics, just really cool imaginative solutions that make us expand what's possible when it comes to sustainability. What is Factory 45? And if you just briefly want to tell what it is, that would help. Yeah, so it's an accelerator program for startup businesses that are interested in making sure that their businesses really align with their personal values, assuming that those values are containing ethical and um, sustainable solutions for society. And the owner, Shannon Lohr, I would not have been able to take steps forward without, because I think when we want to create anything, we do need to know we need to know what we know and then also what we don't know. And so I knew that I came to this idea with background in dance, knowing what would feel good on the body and how it needed to fit and how it, I needed to, how the fabric needed to move, um, kind of like the end result. But all the micro steps in the middle, I could state my values, but in terms of knowing kind of the manufacturers to work with or um, where to source different materials or packaging solutions, all of those things beyond the World Wide Web. I didn't have a trusted source to go to. And so Factory 45 is a really beautiful, um, it's a six month program, but I'm still part of the community um, just because it has been so helpful. And I hope that I'm able to, you know, in turn also offer back support to community members just also is 
is the way forward when it comes to sustainability. We need, we need to do it together. We need to share our ideas and we need to um, share our resources so that there's just less kind of hoarding for personal gain or personal success, but it's really about um, uplifting society around us. It, it is truly being mindful about the business community. Yeah, not to go on a side tangent too much, but I think my personal experience with what it means to be mindful for a long time, I would maybe define that in a very kind of personal way. I think that's a limited view because it it really, it's a little bit, we do need to take care of ourselves and the people around us. If that's all our mindfulness practice is, then um, it's really self-serving. And so I have really over time, begun to embrace mindfulness as a as really a, a lifestyle and a pathway, not just so that I feel better and sleep better and move better and have more energy, but really so that I exist in the world with doing a little less harm and, you know, making choices where I'm aware of the impact. And from that awareness, maybe I make different choices. And if we have a community of businesses doing that, then everyone is to benefit. And so I'm really grateful every time that I, you know, even this moment right now, just to be in a conversation where that's kind of a shared value is so lovely. I love the name JD. How did he come up with that name? So that is a big curtsy to my daughter. She's actually adopted from Thailand. Um, so when she first came to the US, she only spoke Thai. And um, we we did not speak Thai, but we did try to learn a little bit of Thai. And it's still on my to-do list three years later to learn Thai. But so Jai D is Thai and that, that word means kind-hearted. And they have so many um, beautiful they're called Jai words or heart words. And they, they combine Jai with a bunch of different words to help express emotions or actions from the heart. And so my daughter had a huge presence in this project. I wouldn't have just, you know, taken her language and put it on our brand. She really is the heartbeat of our brand. She makes all important decisions. <laughs> and she was very happy to have the company um, named after her and with tremendous respect for her culture that she carries with her. And, and it is a daily reminder for us to, you know, make choices that feel um, kind in, in the bravest and, you know, most meaningful sort of way. I think that kindness has gotten a little, it's seen as like a soft word. And there can be softness to kindness. But I think most of the time, kindness asks us to make the harder choice and to, you know, show up and for ourselves and for each other and for our community. And so to name our brand that is to say, we want to make dancewear that inspires a dancing community, a moving community to move with kind hearted intentions and to kind of align intentions with impact. That's where the name comes from. I also simply adore that name. On your website, I saw that you had special instructions for washing. That is also a step towards sustainability. Do you want to tell us more about that? Yes, I would love to. So I have learned so much through this process. It really has changed. So just simply through learning about the best way to take care of this fabric and this leotard, I learned about better ways to take care of all my clothes. 
And so washing not just this leotard, but most of our things in tap cold water in the washing machine is very often all that we need. So that's definitely true for your leotard. Just tap cold water is just the most energy efficient. And I highly recommend Patagonia makes a guppy friend. It's called guppy friend, all one word. It is a laundry bag that you can put your fabrics in that have plastic, any kind of plastic um, that will shed microfibers, which is going to be much more of your wardrobe than you might think, (laughs) unless you deliberately do not buy things that have any kind of stretch or any kind of nylon in them, um, which most things even like just just so many things. If you look at the label, they're going to be shedding those um, microplastics that go into the waterways and cause all kinds of uh, alarm in we can uh, reduce that by using the guppy friend. There's also a Cora ball. I own that too. Um, I use that for some of my like bulkier clothes. You just throw it in the wash and it, it basically like traps the, um, microplastics so that they don't get released into the waterways. But the guppy friend I love for our leotards because it also helps extend, um, the life of the leotard. It's just like, it's basically like putting your delicates in like a laundry bag. And then just line drying or laying flat, just flat to dry. And same thing goes if you want to, you know, make one sustainable choice, you can just dry less of your clothes. And for sure, you don't want to dry your leotards. Patagonia is a company I truly admire and they contribute to sustainability in so many different ways. One of the ways is by making people make choices which are safer or better for the environment you know, reducing the microns, uh, the plastic microns in the waterways. And also they make things which will last longer or they even have instructions for you how to repair their jackets or they have a service which will uh, fix a jacket. So sustainability is not only always using recycled products or making sure you put your recycle out on the curb. You can also shop less, use um, what you have and buy more durable products. Well, yeah, it really goes back to the example that you were just giving. I mean, Patagonia is just a leader in every single way when it comes to like what we should all be aiming to do both on an individual level. And certainly as even as a little tiny startup, they really share their ideas, they're transparent, they encourage the whole community to follow. And I think that is a beautiful example, as a business, both for us just as people, and then certainly for businesses at large. Um, I was comparing the price range, the price range for these leotards are so varied, I could buy something for $25 and and something over $100. So why is there so much of a price difference? As as far as the range of prices, yeah, I mean, within dancewear, it's hard to think like fast fast fashion. But when it comes to dancewear, you certainly have fast fashion. You have very just trendy leotards that, if the dancer was to trace their origins, they probably would not want to wear it. Probably the very definition of fast fashion. And then you have some really lovely 
companies that hand make their leotards. And I love that. I think that is another approach to sustainability. They hand make them, they're ordered, um, they're made to order, they're ordered to be made, if that's how you say it. And I think that that's, again, another solution. And but it goes back to what are the materials that are being included? Is it a cheap nylon? And if the answer is yes, then your price point is going to be much lower. Our price point is higher because the the materials themselves take out the like a big chunk of um, what we can spend to make the leotard and then just even making sure that the people actually cutting and sewing our leotards are being paid a living wage and that everything is located close by and that we're not cutting corners we're making smart choices so that we can still give an accessible price but um it's at the top range of a dancer, you know, a dancer, even a professional one is working very hard for their money, (laughs) very hard. They are most likely very underpaid. Um, And so we're, that goes back to the whole, we're not trying to make a bunch of trendy leotards that we want to push the dancer to buy on a constant basis. We want them to think about how many leotards do I really need? And what do I want to put on my body and wear all day? And then how can I invest in those choices? Um, That's what has determined our price point. Accessibility when it comes to sustainability is actually also a huge topic right now for us internally, just making sure that, you know, that our sustainability is inclusive and trying to find ways that we can get sustainable choices to dancers who want to make that choice and don't have the resources there's always that kind of effort that needs to be made in all directions, not to make things cheaper, but to make them accessible um, to to the people that really want to embrace these values. So JD supports and gives back to the arts community. How do you do that? You know, that was like the part of the idea that came first was I want to give back to this community. And at that same year, there had been floating in the news, the the whole idea of slashing national endowments for the arts. And that was that evoked in me the desire to do something to actually take action. And our two different styles support two different efforts. So one is the Americans for the Arts, which is the best organization to give to if you want to um, support the presence and the resources of the National Endowments for the Arts. Um, And that's kind of like our national statement. Like we believe the arts belong in this country and in schools and in neighborhoods. And we believe that the arts have value and meaning and that we need to support them. And um, our other style, the uh, Collective Leo, supports a very close by dance organization nonprofit called Serial Collective, um, which was started by two dancers that I did dance with when I was at Boston Ballet, one of which, Leah Serial, is still there, just leading Boston Ballet. <laughs> and that is kind of our, our statement that you can also just give directly to the people beside you, the people that you see doing creative things and contributing good to the world. So each purchase, um, $5 of each leotard, goes directly to those those two organizations. And then we hope that as we grow, we'll continue to be able to support. I mean, I just have such an endless list of um, art organizations and environmental groups that we want to stand with in creating a better society for all. Do you have a co-founder or are you on this journey by yourself? Besides your daughter, of course. <laughs> 
Yeah, so she's not on paper, but it's her. Yeah, it's her. And then alongside just community members that have helped along the way. But I'm the only one on paper right now. Yeah. So where can dancers buy your product? So they can learn about our story and look at our um, offerings at jideedancewear.com. So J-A-I-D-E-E dancewear.com. And despite all my resistance, we are on social media, same JID Dancewear. It's just at JID Dancewear. And yeah, we're growing a community there, um, hopefully in a way that feels also um, sustainable and ethical and just, you know, a little bit counter to the social media trends, you know, just supporting community and um, uplifting some of the organizations that I just mentioned um, and getting a little bit of information to the dancing community about sustainability and um, the importance of just um, supporting each other. Thank you, Catherine, for coming on my podcast and talking about being kind to each other. And I think that's a really important for us, and especially in very competitive and intense um, professions that we work in. Thank you so much for having me. It was really lovely to connect with you. If you are a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send us a message on our Facebook or Instagram page. We recorded this podcast at Q1067 in Lafayette, Indiana. Thank you to Jim Stone, the owner of Q1067. Tatum Gale composed the music for this podcast. This is Mindful Businesses with Vidya Iyer.